So let's go. Yeah. Okay, so let's go. So up to the Gemara Memdala Damadalaf. Yeah. And we're in the middle of discussing all various halakhas when it comes to muksa. So we're going to see, although we talk, we say muksa as a very broad term, there are many different categories of muksa and many different reasons why items might be muksa. So we saw there's a concept of muksa machmas mius. So that means something could be muksa because it isn't so pleasant. And that we saw would be the issue if you use an old earthenware lamp, because once it's been used, it already gets very grimy, and therefore it's muksa machmas mius. If you hold off that muksa, then we also saw there's a muksa as long as it would be involving a malacha. So say if you have a lamp which is on fire, it would be muksa as long as it's lit. And that was the view of Reb Shimon. So according to Reb Shimon, as long as the lamp is on fire, then it's forbidden. Once the lamp goes out, it's permitted. And we have the view of Reb Shimon who says, as even whilst the lamp was alight, the moment it starts flickering, therefore according to him, there's no issa of putting out or of removing oil, then even while it's a light, one can still benefit from the oil. So now we're going to go through the view of Reb Shimon. So the view of Reb Shimon, remember, he's the most lenient when it comes to muksa, and therefore he permits... Um, yeah, so he says only when the candle was lit or the lamp was lit, only then it would be muksa. Once it goes out, then it's permitted. And it's an important point. We just have to remember different terminologies. Um, so this is a principle which some opinion holds, and that's if something was muksa when Bein came in, it remains muksa for the entire day. So we have different types of muksa, and we also have a principle once an item, an item was muksa when Shabbos or Yom Tov came in, it would be muksa for the, enti- <coughs> for the entire day. Reb Shimon disagrees with that. Reb Shimon says, no. So say the lamp, it was on fire, and therefore would be muksa because you can't touch the lamp because you might extinguish it. Or we're going to see exactly why he holds its muksa. But that once the lamp goes out, even though it was muksa when Shabbos came in, because it was lit, Reb Shimon says it would be permitted for the rest of Shabbos. So says the Gemara. So Avon, kois okara va'ashashis loyazizam mim kaima. So we said that the if you have oil, some sort of lamp in a in some sort of plate or bowl or some sort of lantern. Then you can't move them, even once the fire goes out. So says the Gemara, Why would we say these would be forbidden? In other words, what would be the difference to a lamp which was lit, and therefore it was muks according to Reb Shimon, as long as it was burning? Whereas once it goes out, it would be permitted. To all these cases which we're mentioning, 
even once the fire goes out, it would still be put forbidden. So Amar Ula Sefer Asan Rabbi Huda. So Ula says the Sefer goes according to Rabbi Huda. So when we say that the Kais or Kara, um, which is again all different types of lanterns are forbidden that's going according to Rabbi Huda who holds of Muksa and therefore once the these items were being burnt there was a fire in them according to Rabbi Huda it was Muksa when Shabbos came in it remains Muksa the entire Shabbos even once the fire went out so says the Gemara that doesn't make sense Ihachi my Avo in other words, you can't say this goes according to Rabbi Huda, because what's the phrase Ava? In other words, the Mishnah says, or the Brisa says, Reb Shimon, I'm just quoting Reb Shimon Shabbos. Everything you could move, besides for a lamp which is lit on Shabbos. Kavsa, if you put it out, Muta Latalsla, you're allowed to move it. So it doesn't make sense to say, the second part is Rabbi Huda, because then what does Ava mean? Ava means it's a continuation. You're allowed to move the previous cases, but these cases you can't. So Amaula Sefer, El Amazutralam, Reb Shimon. Really goes according to Reb Shimon. So why are there some cases where Reb Shimon would say something which you're using to burn is muksa and some cases not? When does Reb Shimon permit it? That's only a small candle where he had das on it. In other words, this is a very important uh, uh, point with Reb Shimon. So according to Reb Shimon, although we say he doesn't hold off Muksa, as we've said many times, you have to remember, it doesn't mean he dismisses the whole concept of Muksa. He does hold some items on Muksa. However, he's much more lenient. But at something, in other words, according to Reb Shimon, even if something isn't actively available. So let's say, let's say the classic example to warm up Alex for the shear later on. An egg which is, the, a chicken which is there to lay eggs. A chicken which is there to lay eggs on Yom Tov. Now this chicken isn't set aside for eating. This is a classic Machlaikas Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Huda would say, halfway through Yom Tov, he decides, I want to shech this chicken. You can't. It's muksa. It's set aside for laying eggs, for business purposes, not for eating. Rabbi Shimon says, no, look, as long end of the day is, it's there. And therefore, even though it wasn't actively designated, because he had, back in, in the back of your mind, it was available for use. So therefore, also here. So when does Reb Shimon allow it? That's only when it's a small lamp where he has dust to use it. But these cases where they're very large, and therefore once it's lit for Shabbos, the norm is for what? For it to be lit the entire Shabbos. And therefore, because the norm was to be lit for the entire Shabbos, Therefore, a person never had in his das that it was there to be used. And therefore, an important point of understanding Reb Shimon, Reb Shimon, although he's lenient when it comes to muksa, something which isn't part of his das in terms of what's available, it would be muksa. 
And therefore that would be the difference between the smaller lamps where there the norm is for the fire to go out. And therefore when Shabbos came in, he knew the fire would go out halfway through Shabbos. Therefore it's available for use. But the other cases, the moment he lit it, then that's it for him. Because it's so large, it's expected to be lit the entire Shabbos. If it were to go out, it would be Muqsa. So says the Gemara. So Vatanya, Maisa Shemen Shibaneh Ushibakara Osa. So the leftover oil in a lamp or in a plate is forbidden. It's Muqsa. Reb Shimon matter whereas Reb Shimon um, permits it, and therefore, what do we have a pro? Well, what's the problem? We said Reb Shimon for, says a, um, a lamp which is in a plate is forbidden; it's muksa. Whereas here we see ushibikara in the plate is permitted. So make up your mind. So says the Gemara. So this is, as the, as the Gemara says, it depends how large it is. If it's a small kara, then it would be permitted. Why is it permitted? Because it's expected to go out throughout Shabbos, and therefore he had das. Whereas if it's something large, then he doesn't have das for it to go out, and therefore it would be forbidden. So yes, that's a very... Simple but important principle. Even according to Reb Shimon, something which isn't expected to be used over Shabbos, it would be forbidden. Especially because it's on fire, therefore the presumption is it's going to be lit the whole of Shabbos. So Amr of Zerah, So if you have a candelabra which is lit on Shabbos. So we had an argument between Remea and Rabbi Huda. According to Remea, if um, this is his lashon, so kol aneros metatzlin chutz min aneshed liko by b'shabbos. All candles could be moved, besides for a candle which is lit on Shabbos. So this is Remeir's view. If you have a lamp which was lit on Shabbos, even were it to go out, it would still be forbidden. But that's only because when Shabbos came in, there was a fire. According to Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Yudha says in the Mishnah, you can move a new new lamp, but not an old lamp. So we have two different opinions. Rabbi Yudha says you move a new lamp, not an old lamp. We have Ramea who says you could move, move any lamp as long as it wasn't lit when Shabbos came in. So the Gemara and the Havamina says, at least Ramea, this is true, even the Maskana. According to Ramea, there's none, no such concept as machmas mios. So if something isn't pleasant, Remeir says that's no problem. And therefore says Remeir, any candle or lamp could be moved as long as it wasn't lit on Shabbos. The moment it's lit on Shabbos, then it's muksa. Why is it muksa? Because there's an issa involved. It's a light on Shabbos. And therefore even were it to go out according to Remeir, it would be forbidden. So again, so summarize Remeir, Remeir doesn't hold of muksa machmas mios, but he does hold if the if the lamp was was on fire, then it would be muksa. That's Ramea. Now Rabbi Hud in the Mishnah, he forbids you to move an old lamp even when it isn't lit, and therefore Rabbi Hud certainly holds muksa machmas mios is forbidden. That's why he forbids a lamp which has been used even if it isn't 
being used currently. There's no fire, but it isn't pleasant. So two views, Rabbi Huda and Rameya. So the Gemara and the Havamani thinks they both disagree with each other. So Rabbi Yehuda only holds of Muksa Machmas Mias, and Rabbi Meir only holds of Muksa Machmas Issa. So Pomet should leak by Bishabbos. If you have a metal candelabra which was lit on Shabbos, Ledivre Hamate Oso, according to the one who permitted previously, to Rameir, who was lenient um, when it comes to an earthenware lamp, because he doesn't hold of Muksa Machmas Mias says in this case, it's forbidden. Whereas Ledivre HaOis, according to Rabbi Huda, who forbids moving an earthenware lamp, Muto would be permitted. Because this case here, it was lit, it went out, it's a metal candelabra. A metal candelabra doesn't get grotty. And therefore there's no Muxa Machmas Mias with a metal candelabra. It's only an earthenware. So the Gemara says, the metal candelabra, which was lit, According to Romer, the moment something was lit on Shabbos, it's muksa, even when it goes out. According to Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda in the Havamina only holds of muksa machmas mias, and therefore metal candelabra isn't something which is mas, isn't something which is disgusting, and therefore it would be permitted. So says the Gemara, Rabbi Huda, muksa machmas mias isle, muksa machmas isle, so are you saying Reb Yehuda only holds of Muksa Machmas Mias, but not Muksa Machmas Issa? Fatanya Reb Yehuda, I may call on Nereshamateches Metalsli. You can move any metal lamp. Chutz Minaner should liko by Beshabbos. Besides, for lamp which was lit on Shabbos, and therefore we see clearly according to Reb Yehuda, he holds not only Muksa Machmas Mias, but even a lamp which was lit on Shabbos would be forbidden. So it turns out, according to Rabbi Huda, he's machmi. He's told there's two different forms of muksa which we need to take into account. Muksa machmas mias, and also muksa machmas isa. And therefore, something isn't pleasant, or you had a fire lit at one point during Shabbos, it would be forbidden. According to Ramea, he only holds off muksa machmas isa. And therefore, if you would have a not pleasant lamp, it would be permitted to use. And therefore, if you have a metal candelabra, if it's lit, then at that point it's muksa. It remains muksa for the entire Shabbos. If it wasn't lit, then it remains permitted. Says the Gemara, Amr Abiyoda Amr Now we're getting into a very interesting discussion of bosses. So bosses is something which supports an item of muksa. So your typical cases of a shaila is if I have um, m- money in a drawer, that drawer becomes a bosses for that money. And therefore the drawer itself becomes muksa. And that's why there's all the problems with the Shabbos candlesticks. If you want to move your Shabbos candlesticks, what's our custom? We put a siddha on the tray. So it should also be a basis to something which is permitted. So Amr Abiyodah Amr Rav, Right, definitely, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Hang on a sec, let me just get my notes on basis, just because we're doing...
think of. Um, hang on, I had a few notes. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure you have to do. The only thing which I'm trying to look up is um, there's a big discussion if the muksa item is worth more than the permitted item. I just ask you, we spoke before, had it before about the moving the mace, if it's, uh, you put a child on or bread. Why don't you use orange. a similar thing? I can't use a silver. Why don't you use an orange or bread? Why, why have you got to use the... I'll use something Just there's a big discussion if the forbidden item is worth more than the permitted item. So I'm not That's sure. Okay, so I'm not sure about. I'm not sure halachalamaisa just using a siddha. It's interesting. Okay. Some Rabbi Huda, some Amarav, if you designated a bed for money, so you just designated it. So you just designated it verbally to use it for money. Then it becomes forbidden to move the bed. Because it was designated for something muksa. We said you're allowed to move an, a new lamp, but not an old lamp. 
So ask the Gemara. Very simple question. So now a new lamp, what's a new lamp's purpose for? It's for lighting, it's for something muksa. If you didn't light it, it's permitted to move it. And therefore, So the Gemara's question is, what does it mean to say, I've designated a bed to put money on it, that bed becomes muksa. Why would that be? Just designation alone it becomes muksa. Surely if I have a lamp, a lamp what's its function for? For something muksa. Yet we said as long as it hasn't been used, it's permitted. So why by designating a bed when it, you had to put your money on it and you didn't put money on it, why would it be muksa? Yeah, exactly, on the mattress if you are. like <laughs> A metal, a bed which isn't made to store money, even more so. If you designate a bed for money, so this the point is, it was actually designated. So once you put money on it, also it's forbidden to move it. So. The point is, if you actively designate a bed, verbally, to use it for money, once you put money on it, straight away it becomes a problem. Even if that money was there on Friday, and was removed on Friday. Once it was designated and used, then it's a basis. Whereas, if it wasn't designated for money, so, if it has money on it, it's forbidden to move it. If there's no money on it, then you're allowed to move it. That's as long as you didn't have it on it. So, what the Gemara is saying, if you have, in order to create a basis, there's two ways which one does it. Either one designates it as a basis so if you designate it to use it for money the moment you put money on it even if you were to remove that money it becomes muksa whereas something which there's no designation so you just happen to leave your item of muksa in the drawer then as long as the item of muksa is there it would be a problem once the item of muksa is removed then it becomes permitted So says the Gemara, So So now we're going to digress to halachas of Tuma just to get to one or two lines. So if there's a, some sort of, well, there's a machlaikas rashi taisus if you're dealing with something to transport human beings or just a luggage bag holder. So some sort of either something to transport humans, or it's a large luggage container, and it has wheels. Now those wheels, so bizman shahinishmetes, if you could remove the wheels, so the wheels isn't something which is permanent, ein chibula, there's no connection to it. In other words, I have the storage container, either it's for human beings or it's for kalim, but whatever the case is, it's some sort of, box which you put things in 
and there's the wheels. Now, if the wheels, what's the word for it? It's not so. Uh, yeah. So if the wheels aren't fixed, they they could be st sorry detachable. Yeah. Then the two things have completely different halachas. So you have the wheels, and you have the main, either the wagon or the storage container. So the storage container would be different to the wheels. And therefore, say the storage container would come into contact with a mace, or a navel, or sheriffs, anything which conveys tumma, it wouldn't affect the wheels. And conversely, if something tummy comes into contact with the wheels, it wouldn't affect the main body. It's because seeing as it isn't a permanent fixture, they're viewed as two completely separate items. And even though they're in contact with each other, what a kli which is tome can't convey tuma to another kli. So the only way for it to become tuma is only through contact with the direct source of tuma itself. So it's coming into contact with a mace or with the sheriffs or the veil or whatever it's coming into contact with. So we're saying first halacha, you've got the wagon and you've got the wheel. If they're detachable, then they're separate halachas. And they also don't get measured. So we know that Allah, in order for a kli, for at least some kli, let's say, to be makabal tumah, it can't be larger than, it can't contain more than 40 sa. That's the limit which is learnt out from I beg a dissak. It can't contain more than 40 sa. So when measuring, does this container contain 40 sa? The wheels wouldn't be measured with it. So the wheel wouldn't be part of measuring the volume. So So say it goes through a cemetery, what's inside it won't become tome, because it has its own individual oil, but the wheel would become tome. So this is why we bring it. Now you can't move it on Shabbos when there was money, which implies... If there was no money, Sharia it would be permitted. Even though the money was on it, So in other words, it implies if the money was on it, it's a problem. If the money is not on it, even if it was there, it would be permitted. So we've just digressed a lot with Hilchus Tuma, just because we're getting to to the halakhas of yeah. so this is this is just regarding the halakhas of Shabbos we just digress in other words if you have money on the wheels the wheels become mux it's a buses and therefore you can't drag the whole contraption because of the money on the wheels but it implies it's only when the money is on the wheels then it's a problem the moment the money is off the wheels then it's permitted, even though the money was on the wheels, so the Gemara's question is, according to Rav, who says, the moment something was a bus, it's it remains us the entire day, even when the item of muksa was removed, then how do you understand the b'risa? 
So says the Gemara, he Reb Shimon, he to Leslie Mutsa. This is Reb Shimon who doesn't hold off Mutsa, and therefore there's no problem. Whereas for Rav, Reb whereas Rav holds like Reb So the Gemara says Rav holds like Reb and therefore automatically we're much more chamo when it comes to Mutsa. So Hachinami Mistapad Rav, Reb It's logical that Rav holds like Reb Dama Rav. So now remember, there's always a problem. With you, this is today's or, or yesterday's? Yesterday's. Okay, fine, so we're, we're getting there. Yeah. No, it's all good, it's a bit of a, not hard soccer, but you have to bear in mind all the points. So there's a halach, we're not meant to use, we're not really meant to use a tree on Shabbos or Yom to, to lean on it, because it might result in a person breaking a branch. So it might not be a bright idea, but we're saying halachically. Halachically, a person could leave a lamp on a tree over Shabbos. Whereas you don't leave a, can, a, a lamp on a tree over Yom Tov. So Rav is saying on Shabbos, one may leave a lamp. On Yom Tov, one may not. So Iyamrus Bishlaimut de Rav Krebihudasvirle. If Rav holds off Muksa, and therefore when Shabbos comes in, this lamp is Muksa. Why is this lamp Muksa? Because what can I do with it on Shabbos? I can't do anything. On Yamtuf, then there's more room to be lenient, because on Yamtuf you could use the lamp. But if Rebihuddha does hold off Muksa, then it makes sense. Because even once the lamp goes out on Shabbos, it remains Muksa. Whereas in Yom Tov, you could still use it. And therefore, it would make sense why there's a difference between Shabbos and Yom Tov. Because on Shabbos, the moment it's lit, it's Muksa. Even when it goes out, it's still Muksa. And therefore, there's no Chashash. He's going to take the lamp and start leaning on the tree and using the tree. Because it's Muksa. He has to stay away. Yom Tov, we forbid putting a lamp on the tree. Because Yom Tov, there is a concern he would use the tree. And therefore the Gemara says, it makes a lot of sense why there's a difference between Shabbos and Yom Tov. Shabbos, the moment Shabbos comes in, the lamp is muksa, even when the fire goes out. Therefore he won't go near the tree. Yom Tov, then there's a chashash. Because then he would go near the tree and start using the tree. If he holds like Reb Shimon, Mali Shabbos or Mali Yomtov. What difference does Shabbos or Yomtov make? Both cases, it should be permitted to move, and therefore there should be no difference between Shabbos and Yomtov. So Rav Krebiyoda, does Rav hold like Krebiyoda? So we're saying Rav holds like Krebiyoda with Muksa. So Vabaminator Rav, they ask the question of Rav. So we've come across these Chavre before. These were people who were very strict. They had their festivals and they were very strict in terms of not lighting any public, any candles besides for their festival. Or Rashi says they were, there was a gazer not to light Chanukah candles. So there's a question, if someone lit his Hanukkah candles in his front garden, 
And then there's a big concern he might be in trouble with these people. Is he allowed to move it? For Amaluhu, Shapidami, one is able to move it. Now, if he holds off Muksa, he shouldn't be able to move it. So says the Gemara, Shas Hadachak Shani. The Gemara says the Shas Hadachak is different. So, time of Sakana, we would be lenient with Muksa. Is the halacha like this? In other words, we don't hold off Muksa? One could rely on Reb Shimon the Shas Hadachak. So we see Ravi Paskan like Rabbi Huda, but he said in the case of Sakana, we could rely on Reb Shimon. So Barmine Rishlakish and Rabbi Eichanan. So Rishlakish asks a question from Rabbi Eichanan. So according to Reb Shimon, he's more lenient with Muksa. So what would be the case? So say a person put wheat into the ground, and it has to be a few ver- a few variables. First of all, they can't have taken root, because then to remove wheat which is on the ground, you're being kaitsa. And also there's also various other views. Some say you didn't cover the wheat, and therefore you don't have to dig in order to get to the wheat. And therefore in terms of malacha, there's no problem getting access to these kernels of wheat in the ground. The only problem is, is it muks according to Reb Shimon? So this person puts wheat in the ground, or he left an um, egg underneath the chicken in order for it to incubate it. So both cases, he's sort of done something to be actively madrayed, to actively push it away. He's put wheat in the ground, or he's put the egg under the chicken. So kiles lelu Reb Shimon muksa hechadulai dachia biadai. When does Reb Shimon say there's no muksa? That's only in a case where he didn't actively push it away. In the case where he has pushed it away, he does hold off muksa. Or maybe Reb Shimon would say, even in a case where he's sort of done an action which won't be used on Shabbos, because he's put it in the ground, nevertheless it won't be muksa. So that's the question according to Reb Shimon. If you've done an action to be actively madher, to actively push it away, would he still hold of muksa? So Amalei e muksa le Reb Shimon, ela shemen shebeneh b'shah When does Reb Shimon hold of muksa? When the oil is in the lamp, at the time the lamp is burning. So hoyel v'huksa le mitzvasai, huksa le isura. So because you're meant to use, have a Shabbos lamp, as a mix, as a mitzvah, therefore, it's forbidden to put it out. So it's a very interesting two components. We're saying there's a mitzvah involved, and because you need a Shabbos lamp, and you also need there's also an isra involved. So in a case where we have both, both muksa, because it's for mitzvah, and there's an isra involved, then Reb Shimon agrees. So says the Gemara, Does Reb Shimon say, if something is designated just for mitzvah, with no issa? So the case of candles on Shabbos, it's a case where it's a mitzvah to light Shabbos candles, but there's also an issa to put it out. But in a case where something is set aside just for, for mitzvah, for example, Shem Flussi isn't here, 
For Tanya Sikha Kelchas, a person made a sukkah for Itra Bakramim over Sidinin Hamat Suyarin. He decorated it with these coloured sheets. For Talabai Gaizim, a paskim, Shakazim, Rumainim, Vafakile Shalanovim, Vatara Shal Shabbatin. And he hung from it all these different uh, fruits. He got nuts, plums, almonds, pomegranates, clusters of grapes, or, or what's the word for it? Um, of wheat. What's the. Uh, uh, mine's just slipped. Okay, whatever. Well, not kernels of wheat. Um, blades of wheat. If I slip my mind, the word for it is of wheat. Yeah, is of grain. Thank you. So, yenas wine shmenim oil or salasos or bundles of flour. So all of these are decorations for the sukkah. So there's no issa in terms of malacha on Shabbos or Yom Tov, removing these things. But these items are designated for muksa. Now, if we're saying when it comes to the candles on Shabbos, there's two components. A, it's designated for muksa. B, there's an isa involved, which implies if there's only designation for a mitzvah, there wouldn't be a problem. Then how do you understand these, these cases? Also, listapik mehen, ad matzah you can't use it until the yamtuf last until until the last day of circus goes out you can't use it so if you fancy a bunch of grapes you can't start taking your grapes off your sukkah decorations if you made a condition then if you made a condition then there's more room to be lenient but what do we see from here without the condition these deck sukkah decorations they're designated for use as a mitzvah, and they're forbidden. And therefore we see when something is designated for mitzvah, even Reb Shimon would agree, it's forbidden, even though there's no issa involved. There's no issa involved. So why do we say when it comes to the Shabbos candle, we need it's designated for your Friday night mitzvah, as well as there being an issa? Here there's just designation for mitzvah, and it's still forbidden. So says the Gemara, How do we know this is Reb Shimon? All what we have is a quote saying sukkah decorations are forbidden. Who says that's Reb Shimon? So the Tan Reb Chiyab Reb Yosef Kamej Reb Yachnan. So say you have a sukkah, which is a disaster. Halfway through Yom Tov, it fell down. So you can't use wood from that sukkah as firewood. Because it was muksa. So, only if you had bundles of wood next to the sukkah, then you could use it as firewood. Reb Shimon Mate, was Reb Shimon permitted. But the Gemara there, there explains, we have an argument. Reb Yehuda and Reb Shimon, I have a sukkah or a, dod or a hut which falls down. Could I use it for firewood? So here we're not talking about the sukkah on sukkahs. We're talking about a normal hut for shade. Then it collapsed. Could I use that wood for firewood or not? So the Gemara says, even Reb Shimon would agree, if your hut was a very solid structure, and then all of a sudden there was a hurricane completely unexpected and broke your hut, he would agree it's muksa. It's only in a case where it was anyway a bit rickety, 
it was dodgy, in which case a person could have anticipated it would fall down, then Reb Shimon would say to use the wood from your heart which fell down, it would be permitted. So we have an argument, Reb Yehuda and Reb Shimon, if a heart falls down, can I use that wood or not? Um, however, V'shov and V'sukas HaChag Shehi Asura, they both agree with the sukkah on Yom Tov that it's forbidden. V'he'im hisna alein, ha'kolofi ha'tanai. And therefore, what do we see from here? We see Reb Shimon clearly holds of Muksa. So Michael, you got perfect timing. We literally just finished, as you came, a sukkah Gemara. Sorry? Yeah. 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 No. So the discussion is a sukkah decorations. It's muksa just for the mitzvah. So that's the question. Yeah. It's used. It's used to decorate your sukkah. Okay. How low are they? Why? Right. Okay. That'll be a. That'll be a separate question. You're right. You're right. That will be a question for. In other words, that will be a question in terms of the hechshus sukkah. Here we're dealing not with the kashus of the sukkah. We're just dealing. Say it was a valid sukkah. Decorations. Is it muksa? Sorry. This is my social time. This is uh, dinner in the evening. So it's your Tai Chi, not your Tai Chi. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I makes you happier, Michael. I'll get this. It would be your thought. You can relax. I'm not that. I'm not that. Yeah, but you carry on with the shit or what? Okay. It's my fault, sorry. Yes, yeah, so it's Manami. So, Amma. So, Amma Rebchia, but. So, says the Mark, Ain Shemen Shabinne Kamrinon. Hoi Vahuksala Mitzvasa, Huksala Yisurai. So, because it was designated for Muksa, sorry, for Mitzvah, it becomes Muksa. And therefore, just designation for a Mitzvah is enough to make it Muksa. So it's Manami, Amr Abkhir Ba'aba Amr Abyaikhan, Ain Muksa, Reb Shimon, Ella Ke'ain Shemen Shibinah, Peshah Shahudailak, as it's a light, because Hoiva Huxalim, it's Vasa Huxalim Isurai. So Amr Abyhudamashmal, Ain Muksa, Reb Shimon. So according to Reb Shimon, what would be a case of Muksa in terms of a designated item? Ella Grigris Visimukim Bilvat. So in these cases, we have the grapes or dates where you dry it out on the roof, in which case, yes, yeah, an amazing cat, Julian. So, 
in which case there's two points which there's which we have to bear in mind that a you've been diacrite you've pushed it away and b the moment it starts drying out it's inedible there's two points to bear in mind so if you're drying out your figs or your your dates or your figs on the roof according to Reb Shimon then it would be muksa. So nothing else would be muksa. If someone was eating figs, he left it over. Sorry, my bad. It wasn't figs, it's dates and grapes. My bad. No, my sorry, my bad. I confuse it. Figs and grapes. Figs and grapes, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if someone was eating figs, and then he left over. So he was eating figs. He had his spare figs for Helen Lagag Lasos Men Grogeris. He put it onto the roof to make it dried out, to dry it out. Banovim grapes for Hoysi left over for Helen Lagag Lasos Mehen Simukim. So Loyachel he can't eat. Adshe Yasmin until he actively designates before Shabbos that he wants to eat it. So in which case, what do we see from here? These case, these cases become muksa. So money, who does this go according to? If it's according to Rabbi Huda, so in a case where he didn't actively do anything to push it away, he holds off muksa. So according to Rabbi Huda, what does Rabbi Huda hold? That means something which isn't actively available is muksa, and therefore even if I were to put this fruit into a storehouse it would be muksa. never mind he put it on the roof which is much more of a case of um, undesignated gift so according to Rabbi Huda, even if he didn't put it on the roof it would be muksa. So says the Gemara, it must go according to Reb Shimon. And therefore we see even Reb Shimon would hold off Muksa in such a case. And this would be a question on what we said before, that Reb Shimon says it's only Muksa, only if it's put out to dry. So the question is, we said, according to Reb Shimon, only two fruits will become muksa. So we said, um, it was figs and grapes, grow gross for simukin. But here we see this case, a person is eating, and the browser says, even shamine peris, even different types of fruit. So we're not limited just to grow gross and simukin. We're saying any type of fruit which was put on the roof is muksa. So why did you say it was only Grogros Vesimukim according to Reb Shimon? We see it isn't just Grogros Vesimukim. It's any type of fruit which goes onto the roof was become Muksa. So says the Gemara, So here the Chiddush is because he's eating it. Therefore, Sarkadata Kamina Kivin to Ka'achel for Azal. 
In other words, because this person is eating it, even if he put it on the roof, eating it shows some sort of intent. That shows he had no intention with it. This is an interesting Yeah, so this is an interesting point. So we're saying, even according to Rabbi Huda, because he was eating it, eating shows more intent. And therefore it's only in a case where he actively put these figs onto the roof, or any of these fruits onto the roof, that's an act of withdrawing. But say he was eating and then put these fruits into a storehouse. So because he ate, that shows he's still connected. And therefore putting it in a storehouse wouldn't be muksa. Why? Because he was eating beforehand. But putting it onto the roof would make it muksa. So Baimine Reb Shimon Bar Rebbe Mirebbe. They asked Reb Shimon Bar Rebbe. So Patsile Tamara Reb Shimon Samahu. So what's Dalacha? Patsile Tamara, these are dates which are harvested before they're ripe. And Rashi says they actually put them in these glasses made, these baskets made out of uh, lulav. And then they ripe as it goes on. So can you eat it before they're ripe? So in a case where it's put on the roof to dry out, their Reb Shimon holds its muksa. The question is, if you put these dates, in unripe dates, into a basket, and you leave it there to become ripe, what's that lach according to Reb Shimon? So Amalein, a muksal Reb Shimon, ella begraigres v'simukin. There's only case Reb Shimon would hold off muksa, is only with these dried figs and grapes, with these raisins. So why is that? Because there's two points. According to Reb Shimon, this is where, where the Gemara is getting at. In order for something to be muksa, yet there has to be two points. A, you have to do an action which is undesignating it. So by putting it on the roof, you've been daikrit. But that alone wouldn't be enough according to Reb Shimon. It also has to be something which through the process now becomes inedible. So in which case, according to Reb Shimon, you need two actions. You need to, two points. A, it has to be put on the on the roof, and therefore you're actively saying, I'm not using it now, because you're putting it on the roof, and it's inedible. Whereas these dates, which are just unripe, they were never be, they had never been madre. And therefore, according to Reb Shimon, they would be permitted. So the Gemara is now inferring. So the previous question, it was Reb Shimon bar Rebbe, so Reb Shimon, the son of Rebbe, asking Rebbe, What's the halach according to Reb Shimon? So the presumption is, Rebbe held like Reb Shimon, and that's why his son was asking Rebbe about a view about Reb Shimon. Again, it doesn't mean it's a conclusive proof. But the Gemara is saying, because Rebbe was asked about Reb Shimon, the presumption is, Rebbe held of, held of Muxa. So asked the Gemara, for Rebbe lesle Muxa, fatanan, ein mashkin v'shaychatin es Um, 
So you can't water or shecht. These midbaris are these animals which are more distant from you. We're going to see what these mean. Avamashkin v'shaychatin esabaisa. So you're allowed to water and shecht the local domesticated animals. So we're saying on Yom Tov. So normally I'm allowed to shecht. But can't be these animals. We're going to make a difference. Certain animals, because they're domesticated, they're close by. Therefore you have intent to use it. Whereas certain animals which are more wild, if they would happen to chance upon your property, you never had any intent to even think about having such an animal. And therefore it would be muksa. So we're dividing animals into two categories. And now the Gemara is going to analyze these two categories. So Vatanya, Elohein Midbaris. These are the, I don't know if it means the desert animals, but these are the animals which are far away. So Kol Pesach, they leave during Pesach, for Nichnasos and they come in during the first, um, we see the Gemara Tanis, the Gemara Tanis goes through all the different, the first rain, isn't it? yeah, the first rain which happens. Yeah. So these animals, they leave during Pesach, and they only come back much later. And therefore, because they've left you, you've, you, you're not thinking about them. And therefore, if they happen to chance upon you during Shavuos, you never thought about it. It's muksa. So by says, so kol So other animals which leave the tchum, but then they come back. And these animals, you have intent over it, and therefore they won't be muksa. So Rebbe Aimeh, Elo Elo saying both of these cases, even if these animals leave by Nisan and come back after the first rain, still not Muksa. For Elo Hein Midbaris, so Kol Shirais Ba'afa, so any of which they go out grazing, for Enich Nasus Liyushiv Laibimai Sachama, for Laibimai Sagashamim. So in order for an animal to be Muksa, it has to be an animal which is completely undomesticated. It never comes to you. Then if you happen to have an animal like that which chances upon your property, it would be muksa. But what do we see? The presumption is Rebbe holds like Reb Shimon, and therefore Rebbe holds of muksa. And we just said, according to Reb Shimon, we need two variables. We need A, you're being darkit by your daim. So by drying out your figs, or grapes, you're actively showing intent that you're not using it. And also, these items aren't inedible. So now, according to Rebbe, even if these animals normally don't step foot near you, why should they be muksa? They, don't, they didn't have these two conditions that were met. So the Gemara says the first answer... Um, that these animals are like Gregoros for Simukim. In other words, because, Rashi says, because they're, you've actively been daicha them, and also there's a tircha to go after them. Especially if it's an animal which run, which doesn't come to you, it's hard to capture it. And therefore, according to Reb Shimon, it would be muksa. Or it could be Rebbe was just answering a question about Reb Shimon, but he personally doesn't hold off Reb Shimon. And therefore, don't start bringing proofs. Don't start bringing proofs that Rebbe 
is strict when it comes to Muksa. How does that fit into Reb Shimon? You're trying to say Rebbe holds off Reb Shimon because he was asked a question about Muksa. He was asked. That doesn't mean he holds off it. Or he's saying he's responding to the Rabbanon. So Leslie Muksa Klal. Rebbe's saying, according to me, I don't hold off the concept of Muksa whatsoever. In a case where these animals go out on Pesach and come back during the first rain, where you guys defined it as muksa, you should say to Baisus Nino, such animals are domesticated. For Rabbanon Amrile, the Rabbanon said to him, Lai Midbaris Nino, they're actually undomesticated. Okay. Should we call it a day here? We'll go a bit further, wherever you guys want. Okay, fine. Now we'll leave now so Mark can fill in Michael on all the super stuff that he missed. Oh. This evening all. Yeah, evening all. Have a Thank you. Yeah, pleasure. So see Thank you, Thank you, Mark. Bye. 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 B